In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today, we're going to be remaking a movie that would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for us meddling, um, young adults. We're remaking 2002's Scooby-Doo with returning guest Paul Presley. So, Paul, is Scooby-Doo a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? It needs to be. They, I like- agree. Like they, th- this whole movie is kind of a missed opportunity because they didn't get to do what they originally intended to do with this movie. And I think that the world uh, kind of deserves like a dirty Scooby-Doo movie. I mean, this was so close. This is the thirstiest I've ever seen a Scooby-Doo. So um, I want to I want to preface all of this by saying that I did work at the production company where they made Scooby-Doo, but none of the information that I'm going to talk about today was learned while I was at said company. If this somehow ever gets back to them and they says, Hey, you said some weird things about our movie. I learned it online and not from you, but, uh, that that seems like a good transition to say if, uh, audience members, if you haven't listened to our remake of an American werewolf in London or clueless, those were the previous two, uh, times Paul was on the show. But just in case you haven't seen that, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, hi. So I am, uh, I'm a writer who doesn't get paid for it yet. So I've been working, uh, I know, right? It isn't everybody. But uh, so I've been working entertainment assistant gigs for about like six years now. And I've kind of worked all over the place. And I've met a lot of people and have had a lot of experiences. Some of them bad, some of them good. <laughs> I really liked working at the company that made Scooby-Doo. They were nice people. So go, go you guys. So this movie was originally intended to be super, super raunchy, which it uh like the, the the first draft of the script from my understanding of it would have landed it like a hard pg-13 like maybe even had to like cut some stuff out to keep it from being r-rated but and all of the cast had signed on thinking that they were making that version of this movie and then josie and the pussycats came out the year beforehand and bombed and that one is like a more adult version of a cartoon uh if you've never seen it it's really uh it's really good it's on hbo yeah, I, lo- I love Josie and the Pussycats. Like, I-, I know eventually I'll have to talk about that movie for this podcast, but I kind of love that movie as is, and I think it still holds up. I think so, too. I've actually watched it. Uh, so I watched two mo- three movies in preparation for this. Uh, so I watched The, the Flintstones uh, with John Goodman, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats with Parker Posey, the, the fucking goat, and, of course, Scooby-Doo. And kind of watching them back-to-back, Scooby-Doo's clearly the best one. As far as production values go, like the Flintstones probably beats both of them, but Scooby-Doo's a better movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and a lot of that is due to the fact that they were kind of originally making it for adults. But uh, so Josie and the Pussycats came out the year before this, I think, maybe maybe two years, and it bombed horribly. Like it got awful reviews. Nobody liked it. Nobody went to go see it. Uh, which is, Sam, probably how you and I ended up going to see it, seeing it so much. I saw it a lot as a kid. Because it was just on TV all the time, uh, which was something that, that they tended to do with, with movies that didn't do very well at the box office. You're a little bit younger than I am. So uh, it came out in 2001, and then Scooby-Doo came out in 2002. But I saw Josie and the Pussycats at a friend's house when I was in high school. Like, I had some friends who were just like, we just saw this random movie, and it's amazing. Yeah. Let's watch it. 
And that and that's kind of how I saw it a few times. Yeah. And then in college again, I saw it a few times. Yeah. But yeah, just looking at the numbers, it bombed so hard. So bad. And like and it's every barely um, PG thirteen. Yeah. There, I mean, like, there's a lot of really risque stuff in that movie. And like it's great. Like I love it. It it has a really fun uh social commentary that I feel like movies weren't doing very well at the time and Josie and the Pussycats actually does really really do a nice job and it uh, just like Scooby-Doo and the Flintstones it does it does a great job of uh doing that live action cartoon style that I feel like if if this had gotten made now it would be too like CGI-ish you know like it would be be like they would try to make it too much like a cartoon instead of just letting it like live and breathe and like being set in a normal human world James Gunn was the most famous at this point, I believe, for making the trauma films. Do you know what those are, Sam? I've heard the term. I'm sure someone's told me before, but tell me now because I definitely don't remember. So trauma was this group of uh, group of dudes that made these like super nasty like horror comedy things that were all super low budget and really gross. One of the most famous ones, or some of the most famous ones, are Class of Newcomb High and Toxic Avenger. And I, uh, I, I do know Toxic Adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably the most like recognizable thing that they ever did. And it, James Gunn, I don't think, was involved in any of those. I think he was involved in some of the lesser productions. But he wrote like a dirty Scooby-Doo script. And they, the production company like picked it up. Like Everybody was really excited about it. And then Josie bombed, and they had to completely redo everything and make it for kids. Which is why you get this really, really strange mix of like, is this for kids? Like, is this for horny teenagers? Kind of thing that you get in the Scooby-Doo movie. But th- thankfully, it like really works in this one. I watched the sequel. Uh, I watched Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed a couple weeks ago. And it's not good. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's just straight up not fucking good. Uh, yeah, that's too bad. I feel like I saw that one too, but that one I don't remember at all. But there's definitely stuff in this movie that sticks with you. And weirdly enough, this is a weird moment for me to say, because I've talked about 80-something movies at this point. This is the first time where I'm like, there's an, there's something in this movie that is like spoiler-worthy. And I know a lot of people don't care about spoilers, but I do. And for most of the time, it's like, eh, we'll talk about the movie, but you can still watch it. This, I'm like, go watch the movie. There is something that can be spoiled, and it is so worth it. Oh, do you mean the villain? I do mean the villain. Oh, yeah, no, the villain's great. I mean, yeah, if you basically turn this off now, if you haven't seen the 2002 Scooby-Doo and like go go spend a really enjoyable 90 minutes. You're going to, you might be driving. So I'm going to give you five seconds to fumble for your phone. Five, four, three, two, one. Go for it, Paul. Okay, so one of the most genius things about this movie was that they did a lot of kind of winks and nods to the canon of Scooby-Doo, which is uh, really prolific. I've done a couple Scooby-Doo deep dives in my life, and there are like 15 different series, I think, of this show. It's um, basically always been on the air, right? Kind of. They there was a There was a dip, like, between the show that ended in the 80s and, like, people having renewed interest in it in the 2000s. And that probably makes sense. Although I've always associated like a pup named Scooby-Doo with the 90s, but apparently that one also is from the 80s. Yeah, it's 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 older than you think it is. I thought it was 90s too, but it's, um, 
Yeah, I, I think it may have bled over a little bit into the nineties, but there was like yeah, a, there was eighty eight to ninety one. Okay, that that makes sense. I mean, that was always my least favorite one, anyways. I highly recommend the new Scooby Doo show if you haven't. It's it's a lot. It's really really similar to the old one, but the monsters are a lot weirder. And like the, it, it, I watched Scoo- the the original Scooby Doo's a lot just because it's like fun to make fun of them. They make like the worst decisions ever. They really do. Like, let's split up. Like, what the fuck, man? That's there, not- there is someone out here to kill you. Just I know. be methodical and go as a group. Also, whoever makes the, the rubber masks in this town must be a billionaire. I, for sure, because <laughs> goddamn. And my, I, one of my biggest, like, Scooby-Doo plot holes has always been, like, where, where are they getting the masks? Why does the mystery ink... A, not know this, and B, like, not go to the mask maker and be like, yo, who made, like, the giant werewolf mask a couple weeks ago? Like, oh, old man Willikers? Like, cool, great, amazing, got it. Well, and this movie makes fun of that a little bit because, like, the opening, like, ghost bad guy is, like, the janitor who Pamela Anderson said she wouldn't go out with. So he invented an anti-gravity belt. (laughs) That, uh, as janitors have the capability of of doing um, but only when inspired by rejection rejection by pamela anderson that's a very powerful thing you, you know what you're right I also i i always like forget that she's in this movie until it happens <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just like the weirdest celebrity cameo and she doesn't do anything either no um, she serves no purpose other than it's like pamela anderson's in a scooby-doo movie yeah because it's so, like, I think they're commenting on the fact that they used to do, like, all the Scooby-Doo episodes of, like, Scooby-Doo meets so-and-so. Like, Scooby-Doo and the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, and that's... So, the, originally, the the whole movie was about the the ghost thing. Like, the, the, the ghost with, like, the... I forget what they call him in the movie. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the, it doesn't matter. The clown matter. ghost. The clown ghost from the beginning of the movie. So, this was originally going to be like just a regular Scooby-Doo mystery, but like raunchy. And the entire script was just that. And that's why the promotional material has like the the silhouette of that ghost on it instead of like the actual villains that you meet later in the movie, like the, the weird oh, creep. Oh, I actually like that. I prefer it because I like it. It's like, this is going to be the big bad guy. And then you're five minutes into the movie and it's that bad guy's defeated. And you're like, oh, I, I I like having this as the poster because it gives you a sense of what the movie is. And then five minutes into the movie, you're surprised and don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, which which I respect. But I think I have a feeling that they probably had finalized that promotional poster before they actually... Finished the CGI? Fin- well, finished the movie. like <laughs> I, I, Because it sounds like... This was supposed to be something completely different, and then they had like a year to fix it, and everybody was already locked into their contracts, and I'm sure that they had to rewrite this pretty fast because so Sarah Michelle Geller was probably the busy busiest of any of these people at the time because she was concurrently shooting Buffy with this, and the stipulation to getting her, which like it kind of sounds like she was always the one that they wanted for this, just because like her she has a lot of horror credentials and the director wanted a real life husband and wife couple to pay, to play Fred uh, Fred and Daphne, and it, it just makes sense. Sarah Michelle Geller was married to Freddie Prince Jr. They still are. They're still married. Oh, are they? I don't know stuff. Oh, really? No, they're like happily married. They're 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 Good for great them. Couple. Yeah, they've been oh. married. They met on um, I know what you did last summer, uh, which weirdly enough, they only share two lines of dialogue with each other on. 
but they uh, liked each other enough from that, I guess, to get married, have children. And uh, mo- mostly what Sarah Michelle Gellar does now is like uh, like homemaking stuff. She, she's kind of like rebranded herself. Well, after, after the failure of whatever that mystery show was with the brain or something. The brain? I don't know. I just remember like when I first got to LA like nine, ten years ago, there yeah. was... Oh, Ringer. Ringer, <laughs> thank you. Oh my God. Ringer's so bad. I, yeah, like, it's... It, yeah, I agree. It had so much potential. I like watched that with a friend in college who like we both loved Buffy so much. And we I mean, like, I, I'm pretty sure that I watched all of Ringer, but like, it wasn't good. And and now's the point where I should say I have been paid by Ringer. Uh, when I first got to LA, I did background work and I did background on Ringer a few times. <gasps> did you meet the uh, the did you meet SMG? Did you see I, her? I definitely saw her, but I didn't meet her. Yeah. Oh, well, you don't really meet people when you do extra jobs. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> and, and if you do, not. you're doing it wrong. Yeah. No, you don't talk to anybody. Like if you, if you talk to Sarah Michelle Gellar that day, you, you will should, not be back. Yeah. You will. Yeah. You will go home. So she actually shot this and Bobby the Vampire Slayer season six, I believe at the same time. And so she would spend two weeks in America shooting Buffy and then she would fly to uh, Queensland, Australia for two weeks to do this. And she just did that for like six months or something. Sounds rough. Isn't that insane? Can you imagine? Of all the things to do, like neither should take up your whole schedule. I mean, I imagine they both want to film over the summer, but also no, they don't because it's Australia. It's a different season. I, yeah, I also, yeah, so it was Australia. They probably did film this during the summer. Were they all cold? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Be, it's crazy. There would be more nipple shots in this movie if they were cold. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe they, so James Gunn tweeted a couple years, <laughs> um, James Gunn tweeted a couple years ago that the, the original cut of Scooby-Doo was rated R for like, for cleavage and and all that and they had to cgi a lot of it out what if it was the hard nipples because they were shooting in winter it look they can do a lot of crazy things with cgi i wouldn't put it past them well they they said that they had to cgi out like a lot of people's boobs makes sense and uh in order to get it down to uh to the film that we have before us today (laughs) yeah Um, so the and the whole spooky island thing was like kind of last minute which is why it feels a little slapdash at points it it they they basically had to make an entirely different movie which meant that a lot of like the raunchiness from the previous iteration was left behind and if you watch the sequel everybody is completely covered up they're in like turtlenecks the whole time i think there was a lot of there were a lot of complaints when this movie came out from parents about everybody being so scantily clad for most of it i mean they're on an island paradise what are you supposed to wear uh, also, yeah, it's a bikini. Like, tell your kid to, like, not sexualize it. Or you don't sexualize it and your kid won't. Yep. <laughs> that That's how that works. Yep, um, it's, just, it's just a switch. You just turn it on and off. Yeah, I, yeah, well, I guess. Um, it's, it's not a switch. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, a you, systemat- it's a systematic uh, mindset that is established from birth. Yeah, Go team. A... But like uh, the the sequels, like soup, like they they tone down all the raunchy jokes. Like it's still rated PG, uh, which is the same rating that this movie eventually got. But it it just doesn't have the same like snappiness to it that the first film does. 
And it got better reviews than the first movie, which was really strange. Interesting. And it's still written by James Gunn, too. Like, where, what happened? He oh. probably, like, that was probably as part of his contract with the first one. And they were like, well, we're already going to pay him. Let's just pay him to do the thing. Yeah. I, yeah, probably. I mean, it has the same writer-director. It's kind of surprising that it's so, so different from this movie. But... The I same do- credited writer and director. Yeah. Oh, that's that's also true. We all know that every script that gets made for like big budget movies like this is written by 20 people. Correct. But uh, I, ideally, James Gunn actually had a lot to do with, with both films. Uh, oh, also, going back to the thing that we gave the spoiler alert for, everybody's been hanging on tight oh, for yeah, right? five minutes. So Scrappy-Doo is ultimately revealed to be the villain in, Which- in this movie. Is so good. And so when I was watching genius. this movie, like a part of me just like all I wanted, like, so I'm watching the movie, and then there's this moment where Velma's telling this flashback about when they abandoned Scrappy Doo on the side of the road. I would take that flashback out of the movie. If it were me, I don't want to see hide nor tail of Scrappy Doo until like the, the robot bursts open. They're like, Scrappy Doo? Because it's just like this shared collective, like, we know who that is. Yeah. And I don't, because if they tip their hand and like, oh, well, remember Scrappy-Doo, we know that's going to come back later in the movie. Well, I would actually, I have a rebuttal to that. Fair. So we know who Scrappy-Doo is because we watch a lot of cartoons, but Scrappy-Doo is, well, he's also one of the most hated characters in TV ever. He completely ruined Scooby-Doo. They weren't able to get another show off the, uh, off the ground for like, for like, for a long ass time after they did the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show. Yeah. Um, I think it would be fit, especially if we're remaking this now. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I think if we're remaking this now, we have to, but when this came out 18 years ago and Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo had been on the air throughout the nineties, I don't think they needed it. Yeah. Now, 20 years hence we do. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And we'll, we'll talk more about who we, we think our villains should be, I guess later, but it, back, back to one of the things that this movie does the best is is paying homage to the the history of Scooby Doo and whatnot. Yeah, but it's still it's still a little bit of a shaky movie. I love it because like I remember going to see it in theaters and I was really excited about it. But I think that it's something that a remake could really improve upon if we uh, if we ditch the idea of making it like a or a for children movie. Yeah. Well, I think this is definitely one of those movies where it's clearly ahead of its time. Like, it has this meta-referential thing that kind of kicked in towards the end of that first decade of the 2000s. Now we're super into, like, yeah, let's call back, let's talk about these things. And I just don't think we're ready for that yet. All of these people, except for Linda Cardellini, had been in Kevin Williamson horror movies uh prior to this and scream was scream was really one of the first movies to kick off that meta meta textual thing in in movies and i mean the casting in this movie is fucking phenomenal like i don't think that we i don't think that our current generation of young actors has cool enough people cool enough and well enough known because now everything is like fractured into such very small niches that like every single one of these people was famous and like oh of course sarah michelle geller is a perfect daphne of course freddie prince jr is is fred and then there are people who still can't look at matthew lillard and not see shaggy oh he's so good in this movie i, yeah, I mean he, he he started doing the the voice for all the um the animated ones after he yeah. did it because he's so good at it 
he he is the perfect Shaggy. Yeah, I I don't think that we're going to top that casting ever. No, um, I don't think we we will. We're going to try, but I agree. One more thing I want to say about the the history or whatever of this movie before we get into really remaking anything here. So there are a lot of deleted scenes from this film that they yeah, shot. Yeah, you watch them. I, it did make you because uh, so they they were always they were at the end of the the VHS when I was a kid and I just like left it on one day oh whatever like it'll turn itself off and then it started with these weird fucking scenes the first one the first selection are all like flashbacks to Fred Daphne and Velma's like lives before they go to Spooky Island like they're yeah like, what they, so the, the Scooby Doo gang breaks up. And then, so these are flashbacks to what they were doing and how miserable their lives were while they were broken up. And like Velma's in therapy, like Fred is a joke at the Comic-Con. Daphne moves to Japan to study martial arts. And it's it's all like very jarring, but kind of makes sense. And then they get into kind of the weirder ones. So there was a, <laughs> there was a sequence where, uh, well, oh, first of all, Velma was explicitly gay in most of the early drafts of this script. And then that was obviously next because we can't have our children looking at gay people. Gay people are are just simply not allowed. They had to add random dude in music shirt as Uh love interest when she clearly spent the whole movie like thirsty for Fred for some reason. She's thirsty for Fred and Daphne. Linda Cardellini's actually gone on... uh, on record stating that she has intentionally played Velma as bisexual because that was the fucking script they gave her when, when she signed on to it, which I think is super cool of her. Yeah. And I like mean, she, she literally describes like when she's describing both Fred and Daphne, she's like, Oh my God, they're so attractive and also talented at something. Yeah. Like she, she clearly wants, wants a three way with that, which like same me too. <laughs> So she has this weird scene where she like does a like sexy song and dance on a piano and like both Fred and Daphne are looking at her with like kind of lustful eyes. And it's, it's really jarring to watch no like knowing where it would land in the movie, which is like right before all the monsters attack at the big party uh, and Fred and Velma get captured. And then there's a scene where Daphne's like playing investigative reporter or whatever. And she finds, she finds Velma in the ladies locker room with a bunch of women that are wearing nothing but bikinis. And Velma's like doing this really weird bro dance on, on top of one of the benches. And it's, it's super gay. Like it's, it's, it's very obviously like a lesbian reference. <laughs> and then they like, they chase after Daphne and then Daphne gets kidnapped by uh, the big bulky man. And then the, the last important uh, deleted scene of note actually should not have been deleted. It's just really scary. So Daphne gets her soul sucked out by the thing. Like uh, if you've seen the movie at the end, there's like this thing that they, uh, this giant arm that. Uh, yeah, the claw grabber. Yeah. It like, it grabs your soul out of your body. And when it happens to Scooby, it's not all that disturbing because he's like a dog, but I guess watching it, happen to a human is is really disturbing for children weird suck it up Um, (laughs) that's what the claw grab thing does it sucks up the soul i know like i i I feel like it wasn't reaching too far but it also doesn't the movie doesn't make make i didn't find it particularly i didn't find it particularly scary i thought it, it i thought it seemed rapey to me oh it is a little rapey 
But I mean, that's the nature of what they're doing. They're they're like it absolutely is. But that um, one felt like a little bit explicit instead of instead of like off camera. Like they did a bad thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I I still think it should still be in the movie because it. Well, the first time I saw this movie, I was like, when the when did Daphne get captured? Like that. Yeah. We didn't. We, and there's there's that huge plot hole in the movie that this is this deleted scene answers. And like when you're a kid, you're just like, oh, like they're dumbasses. Like this is just kind of a shitty movie. And they they really did film so much that just didn't find its way into the movie, which is really disappointing. But uh, hopefully that is something that we're gonna fix today because you're gonna get a, yeah you're gonna get a PG thirteen Scooby Doo movie today, kids. Yeah, you are. So then let's talk about it. What are some of the things that we feel are necessary for a Scooby Doo movie? So my my elevator pitch for this is to do a ski comedy and not have, not do spooky Island because we've kind of already been there. Also yeah, we've done, they, they, they do so many Scooby-Doo things on islands. Like there's the, like some of the animated ones are also on islands. Like the, I, like Scooby-Doo on zombie Island is. A yeah. Thing. I feel like it's, and it's already been done. So it's not quite as fresh in the original show. They go to like skiing locations quite a bit and they're like Arctic ghosts or whatever. Um, yeah. I think it would, and I think it would be a fun setting for it, mainly because everybody's not expected to like you know be in a bikini for the duration of the shoot. Yeah, just for the hot tub scenes. Uh, agreed. And also, one of the things I think we should avoid is the one person of color with speaking lines is a suspect because they are the one person of color with speaking lines. Uh, he's a suspect because he's into voodoo shit. Yeah, but he, like. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, he seems fun. It felt like he, like, I never suspected him at all, but he was, like, doing voodoo shit, but it all felt like, but he was also really bad at it. Yeah. Like, I kept thinking he was going to be the ally they turned to to help figure out what was going on. And then when they suspected him, I was like, wait, what? That that was a turn that surprised me, because I was like, oh, he's the dude doing voodoo. Like, I thought he was going to be the person who's going to be like, here's the story. They say that on this very island... That sort of thing. Like that person. The magical black man. Yeah, um, I was expecting a magical black man, not yeah. a magical black man who's also a bad guy. I I think that they just needed to pad the plot on, on that. He's kind of an unnecessary character. Oh, for sure. He, he, it, he does not need to be there. And oh, of course not. It's making fun of voodoo in a way that is both uh, disrespectful to the culture and also completely wrong. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I definitely, well, I, my, my ideal for this would be like colorblind casting, like don't yeah, really make like I did racist as well. thing. Yeah, I, I ended up with mostly white people after I looked at it, but uh, whoops. But hopefully I, can... <laughs> I did not, but we'll, we'll come back around to that. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm 50-50, but uh, it doesn't matter. So we're setting this on a ski, like a ski slope, and something's terrorizing the ski hill, and it's scaring... You know what? Here's your plot. It's scaring everyone... Like, we treat it like Johnny Tsunami. It's scaring people off of the the snowboarding slope, but for some reason not showing up on the ski slope. So you think it's going to be just rich people trying to eminent domain out the poor people so they can have even more ski slopes and no more snowboarders. My pitch was going to be uh, something actually supernatural because that was uh, that was a huge change for this movie from like the rest of the Scooby Doo canon. Yeah, so and then after this, after this movie, they started delving more into the supernatural. Like all the animated movies after this started being actually supernatural. Yeah, and, and I think we should do supernatural, but I think mine should be like kind of the 
the red herring first thing that they solve act one. And then we learn that that's not what's actually going on. Yeah. Like that was going on, but it was also covering up the supernatural thing that was really going on. That's yeah. I like that. That's a good, that's a good red herring. So my pitch is to do, um, Scooby-Doo meets the thing. Oh God. Are you serious? Not like, not that gross. Cause they, the thing is like a really, really nasty movie. It's, it's a masterpiece, but it's not that fun. To, but I, I just mean more like the, I think the body snatching element of the first of, of the 2002 Scooby-Doo movie, it works really well. And so are we going to call it, are we going to call it Scooby-Doo among us? <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, <laughs> or, or, or the second title we think of. But, I'm, uh, I'm just making fun of the fact that that video game is very popular right now. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fun game. I highly recommend. <laughs> but I, I I think it would be fun to do something like that and have it be uh, like some supernatural force that's body snatching people. I 100 uh, agree. I think that's a good idea. And it, especially because then we can do the Shaggy meme. The Shaggy. Meme. So for the people who aren't as um, online as I am. Uh, within the last few years, I don't specifically remember when this happened. There, there was some sort of something that meme that happened that was like kind of inspired by one of the animated movies where it's a body snatcher movie. It's one of the alien ones. And so, uh, like an alien takes over Shaggy's body. And then there's a moment where like Shaggy, like <laughs> Kingsman locks a bar and then beats the shit out of a bunch of different people. What? And so, the memes that have happened since then are like, uh, Zoinks, this isn't even my, fu-, or whatever Shaggy's voice is, is like, ah, oh, Scoob, this isn't even my final form. And it's just Shaggy is like a Super Saiyan Dragon Ball Z character just beating the shit out of people. This is like deep cut internet stuff. Weird. Yes. I but don't. Very present. I don't even know what animated movie you're referencing. I, I mean, I'm not very up on those because they make so many. But that's that's so strange. Let's let's not do that. <laughs> I here's the thing: enough people know about it that it would. I, I feel like we have to. It's from Scooby Doo: Legend of the Phantasaur. What the fuck is that? I don't know. Um, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> well, I, I I'm, I'll add it to my list. Um, <laughs> oh, and I'm sorry. You know what? It wasn't that he he was body snatched. He was under the influence of hypnosis. Legend of the Phantasaur features a scene where, under the influence of hypnosis, Shaggy, like, beats up an entire biker gang. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, inspired by that, it's just, like, this whole series of memes. Like, you can look it up, it's a whole thing. They're pretty funny, but... Yeah. But I'm sorry, continue. Before we get down to brass tacks on, on who we're casting and such, how gory and scary do you think this movie should be? Well, we're aiming for PG-13, right? Yeah, but Drag Me to Hell is rated PG-13, and that movie's nasty. There's there's an interesting thing with the rating system, where it can be sexy or it can be violent, but it can't be both. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of where the line has to be walked. Like, which do you value more, violence or sexiness? Violence. Okay, then... Well, especially because if we put it on a ski hill, everyone's going to be covered up anyway. Yeah, exactly. And maybe get... Honestly, I kind of don't love the idea of sexualizing them because in in the 2002 one, it's a little bit more fun because they're clearly all supposed to be like past college age, like kind of adults. Um, 
I but the think characters you know, are like 17. Yeah. I I think the characters are supposed to be older than that. Because I think they drink. Yeah. They, I think they drink in this movie. They definitely do. Because um, Velma gets Velma gets drunk in this movie, even though in the deleted scene they say they she knows that that's a non alcoholic beverage, right? <laughs> I yeah, I, I think, and it's, I, I'm sure that our cast is probably aiming a little younger than than what the rest of these people were when when Scooby Doo happened. Yeah, I mean, I but definitely I, cast adults, but I it. It's all adults that are like eighteen to play younger people that kind of walk yeah. the line a little bit. Yeah, um, I I think violence is is okay. I think that like I don't think we can watch someone get torn in half. But no, I think, can, I think we can definitely find an arm. Yeah, I I think that we can do. Um, I think that we can get get a little gorier than any of the Scooby Doo things have in the past, and kind of attempt to make like a real horror movie, and kind of kind of along the lines of of drag me to hell uh which is great sam if you've never seen it uh where <laughs> i well it so it's sam raimi and sam raimi does a really great job of combining things that are terrifying but also a little funny at the same time yeah um and i think that that's very much a goal that this movie should have like yeah uh, I mean, it, it needs to be a true horror comedy so there, there's a scene in one of the nastiest things i've ever seen is in drag me to hell and like the this the younger an old lady is like attacking our main character in a car and the old lady's dentures fly out and at some point and then she grabs the lady's like jaw with her mouth like she, she uh, the old lady grabs the young woman's lower jaw with her mouth and bites down on it with her like gummy nasty like or like her no teeth gummy things and it's one of the grossest fucking things I've ever seen, but it's also hilarious because this old lady is like sucking on this woman's face. Um, All the words you're saying sound horrifying. It's, it's, I mean like you, you definitely like scream intermittently scream and giggle um, (laughs) a a lot, which is, which is one of my favorite feelings and something that not very many movies are that good at, even when they try to do it. But I think, I think, I think that that, kind of sense of humor is something that would really benefit a movie like this, especially since, uh, yeah, I think we could get away with some decently violent stuff and maybe put the mystery ink gang through some more fucked up things than they've, uh, than they've experienced in the past. I, I agree with that. And I agree with that completely. Like the, the cop that I have that I kind of assumed for what this movie should be is, scooby-doo on zombie island because like that is even though it's animated like that is a scary movie it's just a scary movie that is animated that uh that movie scared the shit out of me when i was a kid oh yeah i watched it too and it scared the shit out of me and i mean i'm an easy mark but still yeah i i was i was a way easier mark when i was a child i mean like i lost my mind when those women at the end turned into cat people yeah, that was so weird and unexpected and unreasonable. And then it happens and you're like, what is happening? And then they like are turning Shaggy and Scooby into zombies. And it's just like, it's it's really, really jarring for uh, for a kid's movie. Uh, but I do recommend it if you haven't seen it. Don't show, Same. It, to your, don't show it to your kids. But you, watch, you watch, watch it. Watch it on your own first. Yeah. 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 Make sure your kids can handle it. And then, uh, and then when you want something to watch with your kids, watch the one with the hex girls. Cause that one's fun. Oh, I love that one. That one is really good. 
But, uh, oh, Tim Curry plays the voice of the villain in that, and he was supposed to be Mr. Mondavarius in this. Oh, yeah, we talked about that, because, like, I texted you a little bit as I was watching this movie, and I'm like, why is Mr. Bean in this movie? It's so strange, because I don't remember him ever being in anything else, aside from, I guess, those, like, Johnny English movies, which I never care to see. But yeah, I, it's, it, he's just, is it my sense of humor? No, for, me neither. For lack of a better phrase, he isn't my cup of tea, blue, British yeah. joke, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I think it's strange that he's in this movie, and doesn't do any of the Mr. like any of the Rowan Atkinson shtick at all. And then, it, and then it turns out that he's a robot that like was being piloted by Scrappy Doo the entire time. And I'm like, so then why didn't you make him weirder? Like, yeah. there's, a, there's a brief moment in the middle of the movie where he like scratches the back of his neck, like a dog and like, but with his hand and it's like, that's it. Which first of all, you're a robot. Don't do that. Doesn't matter. Second yeah. of all, if you're going to make your dude a robot the entire time, make him super weird. Yeah. Well, it was, it, that was also an intentional misdirect in this movie. Yeah. I like, I would have been okay if it had been just like a full on misdirect. What I would have done in the movie that we have now is I would have made the, uh, the, the robot that Scrappy was piloting the girl that Shaggy was interested in. Oh, that's actually kind of similar to a note that I had for, for later when we get to talking about casting. Whose um, name was Mary Jane. Oh my god. I like I, I felt so stupid when somebody pointed that out to me in college. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, of course. Uh, of and course. I, and I talked to my I talked to my mom about this movie too, because she's like uh, she was like the one that took me to go see it in theaters. And I was like, Mom, did you get these jokes? And she was like, Oh. Well, not at the time, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> like at the beginning when when uh, Shaggy and Scooby are on their own and they're like making crazy burgers, but you see the van and a bunch of smoke coming out of the van. Like that's just not what that meant to me as a kid. Yeah, me neither. But like as an adult, I'm like, good bit. I do think I do think we should amplify the pot comedy aspects of this. Um, yeah, it's a so- pot horror comedy. And uh, the original like OG 60s Scooby-Doo was supposed to be... Like, completely for adults. Yeah. Um, and they, like, Scooby-Doo was not a character in it. It was just those four, and they were all stoners, and they would walk around solving mysteries and shit. And I, I think that it would be nice to, like, finally get to pay homage to that now that weed is not quite the the touchy subject that it was 20 years ago. Yeah, especially because a Scooby snack makes someone chill out enough so they can calm down and go do the job. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I'm high at work every day. Um <laughs> These are the rules. Otherwise, it would just be too scary, and you'd have to jump into someone's arms. I know. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I can't do that now because of coronavirus. Yeah, and that's the real thing that coronavirus has taken from us. (laughs) Just can't jump in anybody's arms anymore. But, uh, yeah, I I think that we should keep those two and cut the overt sexuality, the 2002 movie. Um, Yeah, I agree with that. Especially because it's it's so... it feels unnecessary and like distracting because there's a bunch of things in the movie. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah. It it felt like a nineties movie, but it was a post nineties world. Like this movie felt like it was pre 2001, but then came out in 2002. Like the way they kind of like all like conga line onto an airplane and like no one gets checked. And it's like, uh, no, this is 2002. Oh my God. I didn't Absolutely even, not. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Well, I mean, they probably shot it pre-9-11, given all the special effects. 
in this Probably. movie. Oh, other question. What are we going to do about Scooby-Doo? Like, as a, as a physical character? I, I feel like you need to have a dog. Like, any time where they try to make it not a dog, it just doesn't work, I don't think. What do you, what do you mean, not a dog? So they well not they, they, there's a bunch of comics and other things where it's like or they could do like Dog Sees God where Scooby Doo passed away a hundred years ago or whatever. It's oh like, no 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 I I mean like do you want like do you want to get like Homeward Bound it and get like a real dog or do you no. want to do CGI? And, you got to do like, CGI. I think okay. you have to go full cartoon with Scooby because otherwise like because it. You do like a dog's purpose or whatever, and it just it just feels weird. <laughs> a dog's purpose. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I I I agree, and I actually I remembered this movie having really bad CGI, and then I rewatched it. Like uh, I rewatched it before I watched it for this podcast, as because that's what like, inspired the podcast. Yeah, I I watched it like super late. I think I wa- oh I watched it on election night uh, when I was like nervous, and I was just like. <laughs> I need like something comforting that I've seen a million times. Uh, and I remembered Scooby-Doo looking really off-putting in this, but I was actually surprised at how good the CGI in it is. Yeah, I would say Scooby's CGI is pretty good. Like the weird monsters and stuff are a little bit cartoony and weird to me. Yeah. But Scooby, I thought, was great. Yeah, they did a really good job at animating him, I thought. And I, I, I think that if we're going to do this and we're going to have a real budget for it, then uh, I think that's uh, I think that's a okay, but that is a controversial subject because people were not happy with how Scooby Doo looked in this movie. Yeah, but we're past that. That that was eighteen years ago. I think people can handle it now, and also I think CGI budget has gotten to a point where they can handle it now. Yeah, I I agree because they have so many people working on all those uh, VFX shots and stuff. So uh, yeah. The other thing about this movie that we kind of talked about via text a little bit is that this movie, like, especially if you put back in the deleted scenes, it's not a Scooby movie. It's not a Shaggy movie. It's not a Freddy movie. It is the movie for Velma, fourth billing on the list, because she's the person who, like, needs the most and wants the most and, like, grows the most, sort of. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I, I think that she is probably considered one of the more underserved characters in the Scooby-Doo universe, especially at the time. That's not really the case now with uh, some of the newer uh, Scooby-Doo iterations that we've had, but she was always kind of the black sheep. And I definitely think that they highlighted that when they were writing what this was originally supposed to be. But uh, yeah, it's mainly Velma's movie. I think that our movie should be more of a shared experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, Oh, Crap, what's the word I'm looking for? A group cast. Uh, yeah, uh, ensemble. Thank you. It's an ensemble movie. And I, because like, well, I mean, pretty much everybody but Freddy gets real stuff to do. Freddy's also the one that like watching this movie, I'm like, is, is Freddy gay? Because I, I oh. watched this movie and I'm like, Freddy's gay, right? Yeah, totally. And I just thought uh, Daphne was his beard. So that's, that's also, I was a little surprised that, Velma was the one that they chose to be queer in the original draft of this and not Freddy. I guess like women being queer was not quite as offensive at the time, but like Freddy was, everybody's made gay jokes about Freddy. I used to have a, I had a Scooby-Doo drinking game in, in college and Freddy's thing was every drink, every time Fred does something ambiguously gay, which turned into like, every time you like bent over, we had to take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it was fun i had some good nights with that drinking game i bet yeah it was a it was a good time yeah i definitely 
so actually, let's maybe start with Fred, since since you brought it up. Um, yeah. I, I definitely think that we should make one of the one of the Fab Four queer in this, and I definitely think it should be Fred. I agree maybe, with that as well. Maybe even have him come to terms with his sexuality throughout the course of the movie. Especially if, like, Freddy ends up making out with uh, a body snatcher he thought was a woman, and it turns out he's a dude, and then he's into it, and he just keeps going. Yeah. Hell yeah. Done. But I... I and. He's probably also like dating Daphne at that point, and like they're gonna have to have their coming come to terms with whatever it is. Yeah, and I think that it's one of those things where it should be like we're we've been kind of dating, but I'm gonna not, and Daphne's gonna be like, oh, that makes sense. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, been wearing an ascot for like sixty years. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're not hiding it very well, buddy. <laughs> But, uh, so I, when I was originally casting this, I wanted to do somebody queer. So I, I have two names, but I'll whittle it down to one should we need to. So one of these is queer, one of these is not, I don't think, or like might be, but not out. So Charlie Carver is, is one of a pet, uh, set of twins, but he was on the new Ratchet show, uh, on Netflix, which is awful, but I loved it. Um, <laughs> and he was also in like Desperate Housewives and The Leftovers. And he's just super cute, and he might actually, like, pull off the blonde hair that Freddie Prince Jr. looks so weird in. And then my second pick is Austin Butler, who's a natural blonde. I, th- I think the blonde hair is really—it just looks strange on a lot of people that don't have well, that hair color. they're going for cartoon, cartoon blonde on uh, a real person. Yeah, exactly. They're not going for blonde. They're going for yellow. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Freddie Prince Jr. had to shave off all of his hair after the, uh, shooting this movie because they destroyed it. Yeah, I'm sure it was super toxic. And I think he, I think he wore a wig in the second one as like part of his contract because he didn't want to <laughs> lose all of his hair again. Yeah, makes total sense to me. But who did you have for Fred? My Fred is uh, an actor named Michael Cimino from Love, Victor, and uh, he's also in Annabelle Comes oh. Home. Oh. Yeah, one of yeah, the things yeah. one of the things I tried to do with this that specifically because I was going to be uh, remaking this movie with you is I tried to pull a bunch of different people who are in something horror slash thriller related. Yeah. So that way, no matter who I say, you're okay with it because they did this horror thing. Yeah, and I well, I also think that everybody in this movie except for Velma, except for Linda Cardellini, had done a really famous horror movie, right? Uh, or two uh, by by this point. Yeah. And I definitely, I definitely think that's something that we should take into account. So I do like this kid. He's, I've only seen Annabelle comes home. The thing about him is that he's not actually gay. Oops. It was, it was really, whenever they cast him in love, Victor, everybody was like, okay, so you had Nick Robinson do it in the first one who is not actually gay. Like that's fine because he was in Jurassic world or whatever, but like, come on. (laughs) Again, that's a gay person. You got a second chance and you still did this. And like, also maybe I'm being judgmental. Maybe the kid just isn't out yet. I, I'm not really one to judge. All I know is that he's not like an out gay man and he's playing that. Like they, they did it again. Yeah. So, and I also don't think that he would want to do a gay character again if he's not actually gay, especially in such a big fashion as this. Like, I, I think they would be fine with doing it in like a smaller indie movie or whatever, but like, tent pole like everybody and their mom's gonna see this I, I don't think that they would they would go for that so i maybe- i agree 
Yeah. So with that in mind, that means that you said you're two dudes. One of them is gay. One of them is isn't. We have to go with the one that's gay. Yeah. Okay. Which is which one? Charlie Carver. All right. We will probably end up going with Charlie Carver. Probably. Yeah. Let's put that in the back of our brain. But little let's, cutie. Yeah. You'd be so good at this. <laughs> so let's talk about Velma. For Velma, I I cast someone who is much less well-known. I've only seen her in one thing, and that one thing is garbage, but she is good in it. Okay. And the type of character she plays is so very Velma that I just know she'd be an excellent uh, a casting choice for, the, for her. Her name is Angelica Washington. Angelica is spelled A-N-J-E-L-I-K-A. Oh my god, she's in Tall Girl. That's like one of the worst movies ever, right? I, oh, I, uh, she is. I didn't even notice that. Like, I, I saw her in Stargirl, which is garbage. But she's very good in Stargirl. And she's also in something called Girls Room. Like, she keeps being in these terrible things. But yeah. I think she's pretty good. Like, she's incredibly sweet. I think she's talented. And, like, the character she plays in Stargirl is, like, the nerdy one. Yeah. And. Um, yeah. I, she seems cool. Yeah. I. My pick for this uh, was Lana Condor, who's the lead of To All the Boys They Loved Before. Yeah, I, I've i definitely used her before. She's great. She might have a little bit too much confidence for a Velma. I, well, I mean, that, uh, there's acting, you know? Oh, like, of you, course you can, there is. <laughs> she's, the, she's getting paid a lot of money to not have confidence. I that is true. I would, I, then that is what I, I would, I mean, I, for, the money I think, work, for the money I'm planning on shelling out for her, I would expect it a total lack of confidence. Maybe we should go with yours because it's a little racist to pick an Asian woman to be <laughs> the, the There is also one. that. There's also that, and I considered that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, just, I, do, I, I do think Angelica Washington is probably the right choice. Yeah, I think that's great. We can, we can pony up to that. So tell me about your Shaggy. So my Shaggy, I've only seen this kid in one thing, but it was the newest Halloween movie that came out in 2018. And he plays the mean boyfriend uh, of, <laughs> of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's granddaughter. And like the, the role that he plays is not similar to Shaggy at all. But he has the long curly hair that I think would look right on a Shaggy. And I, I think he would really be able to pull off the stoner thing. I'm sure he's been in other stuff that I just haven't seen because I don't usually watch things with uh, 20-year-old people in it. Um, I uh, tend to skew a little older, but uh, <laughs> uh, his, his name's Dylan Arnold, uh, D-Y-L-A-N. And I really like him. I think he's, I think he's good. Uh, he had the, his like comedic, his, all of the kids that they cast in the new, in the new Halloween have really good comic timing and like they were good at like ripping off of one another and stuff. It was a great movie. If, if anybody hasn't seen that. All right. That's, cool. Who did you, who's your pitch? Uh, so mine leans a little bit more into the comedy. Uh, he's like kind of a stand-up and a rapper, and also um, very definitely a stoner. I went with Little Dicky, uh, Dave Bird, on the condition that he shaves his beard. Oh, Dave Bird. Oh, oh, he's the lead of that Dave show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would have to shave his beard, but he would. Yeah, I think that's a good Shaggy. I, I think both of our choices are good. I think mine might be a little bit too old. I think um, he is too, though. Yeah, that's what I'm... He would look really strange next to the other people that we cast. 
But I will um, also say that like one of the weird things about the show is that I think canonically uh, Velma, Daphne, and Fred are all like 17 and Shaggy's like 22. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's not the worst point. But I, I think we should probably go with your guy for that reason because I think Dave Bird is a little bit too old, but I'm going to double check that right now. I think he would, yeah, I think he would play... Yeah, he's 32. Oh, no, he, yeah, he can't be in this movie. No, he's too old. Sorry, buddy, you're too old, so am I. I, I mean, me too, but, like, I, yours is a good choice, but I'm like, Dave Bird, like, <laughs> 10 years ago is the perfect Shaggy. Yeah, oh, totally, yeah, if we if we were, yeah. Also, I don't think that I said this, my ideal remake for this would just be Scooby-Doo 3 Return to, uh, Return to Spooky Island. All these people are still around. Like, they're not busy. Linda Cardellini, uh, of all of them, Linda Cardellini is probably the busiest. I mean, she's the one with the active show that's supposed to be good. Also, yeah, I know. Uh, uh, Hawkeye's wife. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's done. She's not busy doing that anymore. But she did have that for a minute. Uh, versus, like, where's your fucking Marvel Universe character, Sarah Michelle Gellar? She was supposed to be an X-Men. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Who was, supposed to, was she supposed to be Jean Grey? I think she was supposed to be Mystique. Oh, that is a terrible choice. Really? Rebecca yeah. Romaine Stamos isn't too far off from from Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, but I they they carry themselves differently. Yeah. Like Mystique is I mean, I can see what you're saying, but I like even though Michelle Sarah Michelle Gellar's like, I don't know, in her 40s at this point. Yeah, she's like I, 42 or something. Like, I, I so associated her with, like, the teenager Buffy, and just, like, she just, like, has that energy of just, like, a, come on, guys. Yeah. And Rebecca Romaine Samos does not carry herself that way. She carries herself in a way of, like, well, this is what's about to fucking happen. Yeah. And I think that that just, like, attitude is much more important for Mystique. I know. I miss her. I really like her. She She's underrated, I think. I agree. She did a fantastic job. But uh, since we were talking about Daphne... Let's get into who our Daphne picks were. Yeah. Because when they cast this original movie, Daphne was the first one that they wanted to get done. Right. I mean, that makes sense. The the Daphne that I have, like, I don't particularly care about Freddie being blonde. I don't particularly care about the look of any of these. That yeah. said, I did cast a redhead for Daphne because, like, I don't know. That's just kind of what I went with. And I thought that this particular actress would be fun because mm-hmm. I think she can kind of like play the, the blase Emma Stone. I'm so over it, yeah. but also be like super upbeat and fun. And just like, depending mm-hmm. on what she wants. And she's also in an episode of twin peaks. <gasps> Who is it? Jane Levy. Oh, that's a great choice. Um, that actually ties into my director choice later. Funny. Oh, enough. Perfect. So Jane Levy's also in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. She is Zoe. Yeah. Um, she's also the lead of the Evil Dead movie and uh, or the 2013 Evil Dead movie and Don't Breathe. Yeah. There you go. She might play a little old next to these other people, but I'm Probably. kind of fine with that. She's uh, also late 20s, early 30s, I think, but like she also looks very young. She's been playing, um, she's been playing people in their, like, older people in, in more recent things. So I'm sure she's, like, trying to get herself out of the hole that looking like a forever teenager, uh, will dig you into. <laughs> so my, my pick for Daphne was Anya Taylor-Joy from, from The Witch. Oh. And Queen's Gambit. 
and Queen's Gambit and Emma. I didn't see Emma, but I heard she was really funny in it, and I've never seen her be funny. I've I've heard the same, which is which is definitely something that we need in this. Uh, we know Jane Levy can be funny. The only reason that I'm not jumping up and down about Jane Levy is because I don't know if she would play this age range, but I do really like her. You know what? Fuck it. We're all 25. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think uh, I think our Billman or Shaggy are a little younger, and then Fred and Daphne are older. Maybe they I don't all have true. to be the same age. They don't. They're friends. I mean, I'm how much I'm how much older than you? You're I'm what? 27. I'm, I think you're five years older than me. You're 27. I'm 32. So yeah, five years. Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. Fine. I I think that's fine. I yeah. yeah. And and I think Charlie Carver is around the same age as jane levy is so that would that yeah that would work who did you did you pick anybody for scooby charlie carver is 32 years old really that's surprising yeah he is 32 years old well well that settles that good to know yeah no then we can cast whoever we want to yeah and and because jane levy's 30 yeah so okay that's fine whatever so yeah so uh and michelle geller was like 27 i think when she did this i don't know i don't remember but yeah, something like that. It's fine. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm fine so with it. We've got we've got our Scooby Gang minus Scooby Doo. So Scooby Doo, I think obviously we need to go with um, Andy Circus. Oh my god, I wrote that too. I was hoping that you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was going to be so funny, Sam. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, here's the thing. What did you do for Scrappy Doo? Oh, so I Sco- Scrappy Doo is not in my not in my remake of this. All right, so what I did was Andy Circus again, but smaller. That's funny. That's a good <laughs> joke. Um, um, so I think that's kind of who we had, like, in terms of, like, the joke of, like, ha-ha, get Andy Circus to do, like, whatever. I think Scooby is going to be pretty much fully CGI, so I kind of went with two voice actors for yeah. both Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. I put in Scrappy-Doo. I assumed we'd be going with him as the villain again, but I think it makes sense to have some sort of something else. yeah. In that case, I like, like, Scrappy-Doo works so well, and I think it's funny to have him in there, even as another red herring or something else. Yeah, and I I definitely think that we should, like, wink and nod to the strange history of Scooby-Doo. Like, there was even, there was a season where, like, Vincent Price was a character, and they, would like, drove around in a red van for no fucking reason. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) it, uh, yeah, I... Yeah. So I have two voice actors. I don't know if you have someone in addition to Andy Serkis. No, I didn't. I just had my joke. My yeah, Andy it's, a, it's joke. a good joke. I fully stand by that joke. We both made it. So yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Somebody's <laughs> the up trick. something. The trick is to have a button. Yeah. Uh, so my Andy Serkis, uh, not my Andy Serkis, my Scooby-Doo is just Billy West. Oh, who, that's a great choice. Yeah, it's a good, phenomenal voice actor. He's like, if you need someone who's like, can do a weird, crazy voice, he's the voice of Zoidberg. And just listening to his interview talking about how he created the voice of Zoidberg, you're like, oh, yeah, you can do anything you ever want, Billy West. You're a genius. Yeah, he also does the voice of Fry in that same show. It's so He crazy. does. And Zap um, Brannigan. Oh, yeah. Zap Brannigan's not that hard, though. No. I can do Zap Brannigan. Um, <laughs> uh, phrase, phrasing. Hey. <laughs> uh, but the so that I felt was a little bit obvious and then I thought kind of like as a joke throwaway I thought it'd be fun to have uh, Scrappy-Doo be John DiMaggio who? 
John DiMaggio, the voice of Bender. Oh, 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 oh. That would be cute. That would be funny. He's also the voice of Jake the dog in Adventure Time. I knew that. I knew that that was the same voice. They kind of sound similar. Yeah. He can really only do the one voice, but he gets to do all these really cool things because by all accounts, he's an incredibly cool dude. Yeah. And I just thought it'd be funny if, like, you see Scrappy do like, puppy power! And it's, hey, uh, kill all humans! Because, like, the Bender, yeah. the, the Bender energy is also very much the Scrappy-Doo energy. Yeah. In, in this movie, correct. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that'd be fun. Yeah, I actually, I, I took Scrappy-Doo out just because that joke really only works one time. I agree. Like, that, you can only get people with that trick once. It's and a great I, trick. I mean, it's like that, so good. That's like one of the things that works the best about the the 2002 movie. Yeah, which is which is why I think because that is such a good trick and so well done, everyone's going to be looking for it in our movie. And so we need to have something that like has that and then takes the air out of it because we don't know what's actually about to happen. Yeah. Um, so what if uh, before we get into like all the random side characters in- and I really only have two more. Oh, I ha- I wrote a couple. Um, Ooh, I have I'm excited. I have like I have like six. Um, Great. But what if the reason that they're there is that they're opening like a Scooby Doo memorabilia museum or like mystery? Oh, Inc. okay, good. At that the, reminds like, me because there was, or whatever. Th- that reminds me because there was something in the movie that bothered me. Like something like th- their inconsistent fame. I thought was very very strange. Yeah. What I mean by that is that, like, at the beginning of the movie, Pamela Anderson walks out and goes, it was thanks to the Scooby gang. Everyone knows the Scooby gang. And then there's, like, news, like, Fred, Fred, what's going on? And it's, like, these people who, like, everyone knows who they are, but also they don't. Yeah. I think that they should be completely anonymous. I would go the other way. Like, I think they need to be, like, well-known, and it's now getting in their way. Especially if they're going to an opening of a Scooby-Doo museum. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, I I think that like people should be getting in their way and like fucking up the mystery or whatever throughout the course of this movie. Like, I think they need to be too famous for their own good. Yeah. And I, yeah, I also think that like the Scooby-Doo museum is a more like plausible way to get everybody to a mountain than here's a free trip to whatever. Yeah. Uh, Because no trip is ever free. Correct. Is uh, something that a lot of people have to learn the hard way. Yeah. Hashtag uh, timeshares. But I, I also think that if they have like this big public persona that everyone's familiar with, and that could even contribute even more to like the Freddy angle of like they're oh, this not very, come out. Yeah, like they're this very famous relationship. And so there's this Im- immense public pressure to like stay together. And he's like, uh, but this just isn't who I am. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's great. I think these are all. These are all good notes that would make this into a better movie than the 2002 one. I I, I say my heart sank as I said that because I love this movie. (laughs) I Um, like it too, but I think we can both agree. It's not a good movie, but it's a super fun movie. Yeah. It's like, it's, it served its purpose and it's really, really fun to watch. Uh, It's great comfort food, but it's not exactly a great film. Yeah. Like I feel the same way about Josie and the Pussycats. Like I love Josie and the Pussycats. But I will stand. But I will agree. It's not a good movie. Yeah, it's but it's fine. It's great, but it's not good. Yeah, exactly. I I, I would agree. I would agree with that. Uh, and let's uh, let's try to make a good movie. Yeah, I think because the, there's there's some meat in the 
live action Scooby-Doo movie. Like they, there's, there's just something that nobody's figured out how to master yet that I feel like in the next like five, 10 years, somebody will probably crack the code. Uh, maybe it's us, Sam. It might be because it definitely wasn't Scoob. I know. Uh, oh my God. Well, I read the script for that like forever ago and I thought like, I thought it was fine. Like it was cute that they brought in all of the other Hanna-Barbera characters, whatever, but it, like it, they, th- we don't need an Avengers style tentpole for the fucking Hanna-Barbera cartoons. No. Like, it, and, and besides, if you want a Hanna-Barbera tentpole, it's way out wacky racers. The end. Yeah. I like, wacky- and then you just, you just make uh freaking, uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world, but animated. I I actually m- made a baby pitch for a Wacky Races movie when I was watching Scooby Doo one one of the times. Um, wow. That would be like J- Jumanji, like Ooh, uh, like the the remake or whatever, where it's like the video game. Yeah, um, I like, like it. Re- regular people get like sucked into that, and then they're in the Wacky Races game, and it's like half animated and half live action. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, Scoob Scoo was not. I di- I mean, I didn't see it because I read the script. I'm sure it didn't change that much. I mean, it couldn't have changed that much. They had Simon Cowell in it. Oh, oof. And that That's, is that is a clear indication that your script is dated. Dated, yeah. He got weird plastic surgery. I mean, doesn't everybody, but... I mean, I was specific. literally talking to two friends yesterday, and they were talking about how, oh, we just got some fillers. I'm like, you, are, you are in your early 30s. Why? Don't do anything to your face I don't young. know. You're not supposed to do that. You're actually not supposed to do that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's incredibly irresponsible. And it's like one of those things, it's like, isn't it great when you're this age, but like in 20, 30 years, it'll be like, fuck, why did I start down this path? I know, like, yeah, you're going to turn back. You're going to have like really bad body dysmorphia. Yeah. Um, but where were we in the actual Scooby-Doo conversation? I lost uh, the train of thought. We were talking about side characters. Oh, um, okay. Um, so I have Mondavarius as kind of like a red herring slash actual villain. And then I have Mary Jane. Okay. I'm assuming you have kind of both of them. Oh yeah. I have, I have both. You do your Mondavarius first and then I'll do my pitch. So because they cast Mr. Bean, I wanted to cast someone who was also super duper weird, but it's also super duper funny and good. So I first saw this actor in a show that no one else has watched because it was the, so the final season of Community that went to be on uh, like Yahoo. Oh yeah, that there was also a show at the same time when Yahoo was like, "We can be a thing called Other Space," and I loved Other Space, and it makes me sad that it doesn't exist because it's like a Paul Feige show too. Um, And this actor was in Other Space. He ended up being in the new Ghostbusters. He's in Avenue Five. His name is Neil Casey. And he plays a real weirdo, but he's so funny. Oh, oh, this guy, I like him. He's good in, he, he's good in stuff. So my pitch for, oh, I fucking hate Greener Grass, though. That's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So my pitch for, uh, for Mr. <laughs> Monteberry, it. Uh, it came out at Sundance a couple years ago. I think it's on Hulu. It, it's like trying too hard to be like a funny David Lynch movie. It's like David Lynch meets John Waters and it's just too much. It's like sensory overload. It's not good. Got it. So my pitch for Mr. Bonavarius was actually to have it be a husband and wife duo uh, and have the villain end up being the wife. Love it. Since the, the scrappy do angle is probably not going to survive uh, in this iteration. So I put Kurt Russell as the, as the man because of his, you know, he was in the thing and like 
he's been doing like the Christmas movies. Like, I think he would be down for something a more like uh, a little bit more like kiddish like this. Yeah. Um, and then his wife is Judy Greer. That's fun. I mean, Judy Greer needs to be in more things. I, I agree. Uh, she, she's in tons of shit, but uh, she, she needs to be in more. Pack that schedule. <laughs> exactly. I mean, was it Judy Greer that wrote the book? Uh, that actress from that one thing? Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't think that's the actual time. It, it's something along those lines. Yeah. Which uh, she is that actress from that one thing. Yeah. Uh, I will say that Judy Greer is 45 years old and Neil Casey is 39. And Kurt Russell's like in his 60s, I think. Yeah, so I would say let's go with Judy Greer and Neil Casey. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a that's a good pairing. They're the Mondavarii. Ooh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's great for, for both of them. And Judy Greer plays the villain in one of my favorite movies, uh, Cursed, with Christina Ricci. Um, and does a phenomenal job. And I would love to give her the opportunity to do something like that again, because nobody likes that movie and nobody watches it. Nope. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to Mary Jane. Who do you have? Uh, I went first to the last one. Go ahead. I, I put Jeff- Jessica Roth from Happy Death Day. That's a good, good choice. She's also in La La Land. She, she's just really funny. Like she, she kind of carries the Happy Death Day movies. <laughs> Which, like, those movies are, like, kind of smart. I, I hate that Groundhog Day trope, and I'm over it when you stop making things with that. But she, she is really, really good in those movies. I did like Palm Springs. Oh, I didn't see that. It, it's very, very good. Yeah, I heard it's, the it's exact opposite. You yeah, heard the I, opposite? I've only yeah. heard good things about it. Like, I don't know anyone who didn't like it. I talked to a couple people that didn't like it. But we have different friends, Sam. That is, that is accurate. <laughs> Yeah, who did you have for Mary Jane? So I went with Anna Diarmas. Oh, she's—I mean, she's too she's too big to agree to a. It's ideal know. remake. We can get what uh, whoever That's we want. That's true. We can get Meryl fucking Streep to play Mary we Jane if we want could. to. Let's just pick Meryl Streep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't do that. But like, especially <laughs> especially because in my version, it turns out she's Scrappy Doo, or she's like the like a secret. Like, in, in my version, like, I thought Mary Jane would have been a better person to be revealed to be Scrappy-Doo. Yeah. And I just, I like the idea of she's coming in and she's like, oh, she's the love interest because she's so pretty, which is true. She's extremely pretty. Yeah. And she just like, do weird shit. Like, if we're going to bring in Anna Diarmas and we're going to make Judy Greer the, like, final actual villain, Anna Diarmas needs to be brutally murdered. Yeah. I think we should do Jessica Roth and, and, and have her be, be brutally murdered. Here is my pitch to make it not Jessica Roth. Okay. We have so many white people. That's true. Like, I'm okay with opening it to someone beyond Anna Diarmas, but also, but I would, I would prefer to have at least just one. And of course, then it opens to the trope of, oh, kill your, kill your minority, which is also not good. What about Lana Condor? I'm good with that. Let's make it Lana Condor. Yeah. Perfect. Done. She's also super pretty and quirky and would probably be like a good red herring. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's fun. I So I have a lot of minorities for, for the smaller roles in this. Uh, <laughs> cool. so, so it doesn't... I, that, that can't... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the wrong way to say that. Well, uh, <laughs> um, so uh, so the, the guy with the metal shirt in the movie has so, many, has so much screen time in this movie. And his name in the credits is Velma's friend. 
<laughs> he he does not have a name. Like what the fuck? He and he was I I looked up his Instagram and he like teaches acting in Queensland. Like he was definitely a local hire. Like they probably got him super last minute. Well, they needed someone for Velma to talk to. But I yeah I know I I just think it's funny that like Velma's friend. So I I picked Velma's friend in this because uh, fuck it, she's bisexual too. I put Camilla Mendez from Riverdale. I'm looking her up. She's she's great. She's one of the more um, she's one of the better actors on that show. Well, the girls in that show are better than the boys, just by by rule of thumb. Oh yeah yeah okay I know who she is. Yeah she she's super cool and I think she would I think she would would be a good red herring and like a good supporting character in a Scooby Doo universe. And then for Fred's friend, since he's clearly gonna yeah on somebody, I picked Kenyon Lonsdale from uh, from Love Simon. He's he's the he's the kid that ends up being the actual love interest in Love Simon. Say his name again. Ken, uh, Ken, so it's K I E N Y A N. Is he actually gay? Yes, confirmed. Confirmed homosexual. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then oh god. <laughs> the for, uh, for more on this, we go to our to our man live on the scene, uh, Paul. <laughs> I, I would. I would love to report on whether or not some of the people are gay. Just like stand outside their house. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just run through the rest of these really quick. Um, oh, wait, this then- is the guy from, uh, uh, what's its face? From um, Flash. He's Wally Weston Flash. Oh yeah, this guy's great. Uh, I love this guy. And he keeps getting written off the show and he's great and they need to bring him back. And I stopped watching The Flash, but still. I Yeah, I was about to say like, damn, Sam, that's too much time commitment. I can't watch none of those shows. I started watching Arrow when that happened, and then I realized it was 22 episode seasons, and I was like, I think I'm good. I, I was really into it for a while, but then the uh, they lost me, which is a shame. Yeah. Le- the, the one, the, the weird one that has the long name that I forget, it's like the big group of everybody. Legends of Tomorrow I still watch because it's the best one. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard that one. Like, if you're gonna watch those, that one's uh, the, one to, the one to see. It is consistently um, silly and wacky and weird. And keeps doing that, and that's all it needs to do, and it's great. Yeah, um, and I'm here for that. Uh, so for the creepy bald guy, like the guy that does like the, the the songs during the ceremony. Oh yeah, I picked Jim Rash. Yep, that makes sense. For the buff bad guy, I picked Dave Batista. That also makes sense. Um, for the the Rasta Voodoo guy, I picked Ken Jong. Absolutely not. Not. No. Hold on one second. Why? I think he'd be so funny in a role like that. He is, but this movie's already super disrespectful to, to like that whole culture. And to then make it Ken Jong would make it also not very respectful to that. Oh, culture. well it, it wouldn't be it it would it would not be the same type of voodoo because we we moved locations though. Yeah, so but so we can't call him the voodoo guy. Like I'm happy to have Ken Jong because oh. he's very, very funny. But he can't be voodoo. Like we have to come up with what his character would actually be. Um, mystical mountain hermit. Yeah, if you want to make him a mountain hermit, great down. Yeah, I he brought. Yeah, no, I I didn't mean to say that he should be in like Rasta gear and like dreadlocks and shit. That that would not be a good move. Oh my god! In the in the sequel to I know what you did last summer, Jack Black is has dreads and like speaks like he's black and it's so strange he's like uncredited in the movie and it's like he finished filming this and was like i don't want my name on that Uh, (laughs) i mean 
Good for him. That's I, yeah. No, I yeah. It, it is. I mean, if you've ever seen it, I still know what you did last summer. It's uh, it's not good. I love it to death. It's amazing, <laughs> but it's not good. Fair. <laughs> cool. Is that it in terms of like your your actors, or are you ready to move on to writer director? Oh, I put Melvin Dew as Carrot Top just because I think Melvin Dew's a really funny throwaway joke in this. Yeah, but uh, Carrot Top's the is uh, apparently went super Christian. Oh, ew, never mind. Melvin Dew's not in the movie. <laughs> yeah, Mel- Melvin Dew is a great throwaway joke, but I want to not recognize him. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. Cool, so let's... Uh, yeah, let's talk about writer, let's talk about let's director. Let's skedaddle. My writing, my writer is actually a writing team. Oh, mine too. Because they have handled kind of this style of adaptation before, and they also have written kind of like the scary thriller stuff before. Yeah. Um, so they're the writing team behind Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase. <laughs> and they also wrote on The Purge. And they oh. also wrote on Handmaid's Tale. Oh, weird. So their names are Nina Fior and John Herrera. Cool. And um, I just thought they'd be fun. Because I never yeah. saw it, but I'm told Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase is actually good. Oh, you're the first person to say anything about that movie to me. That's the thing, because it's it's supposed to be good and then got completely shoved aside because then they made a Riverdale-style Nancy Drew show. Mmm, that makes sense. I, yeah, I didn't see it. This is, I mean, like, I'm aware that it exists, but uh, that's good to know. I picked for writing uh, the guys that wrote the Deadpool movies. Yeah. (sighs) Shit, sorry. I have, like, five things open on my phone. (laughs) Paul Wernick and Rat Reese. Yeah. Just because, like, I, I think they could really handle something like this and make I it really th- punchy and funny. I think they could. Like, they're obviously very good and very funny, and I think that they're very good at writing the hard R comedy. They can handle the action, the sequences. Like, I think they would be very good. Yeah. My pitch is still for Nina Fior and John Herrera, though. A, yeah. because uh, woman, and B, because I just think it's fun to get someone a little bit lesser known. Yeah, I agree. Especially since my, my director choice is pretty well known. Mine is too. And that's, and I'm pretty sure, but I'm pretty sure you're going to veto my director. Yeah, I am. Um, cool. Then, <laughs> then we're going with my writers. Damn it. Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay, cool. So then, so then if you're about to veto my director, let me at least tell you who it is. Yeah. It's someone who walks the line between horror and comedy very well. And I know you're not necessarily a huge fan of his movies, mm-hmm. but publicly lots of people are very huge fans. Oh of no. G- of Jordan Peele's movies. Oh, he'd be terrible at this. <laughs> he, this is this is not the movie for him. But I you mean the guy behind Keanu? Keanu. I didn't see that. Neither did I. No one did. I know. I heard it was cute though. So my my pitch for this is Fede Alvarez, who did the Evil Dead remake with Jane Levy, and also did Don't Breathe. I think that he would have a good eye for something like this, and his background in horror would really help some of the horror scenes pop. Jordan Peele is not the, he's good at comedy and horror separately as separate entities, but he is not good at blending the two at all. I like Here's I, the thing. I think you're probably right. I think this is the correct director, but if we're going to go with this director, I think we also probably need to go with your writers because if he's the director, we have no comedy and this needs comedy. And if it's not in the script, it's not going to exist. Are your people comedy? No, they're Nancy Drew in the Hidden Staircase, The Purge, and Handmaid's Tale. Three Oof. things that are not known to not for funny. being funny. Yeah, Handmaid's Tale is pretty funny. I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm kidding. I hate that show. But literally like torture to watch. Yeah, I mean, we can go with mine if you're fine with that. I, I am. I just like, be, I, I like my two. I think they're good choices. But if your director had been a little bit more comedic centric, I think that would yeah. be a place for that to live. Yeah. So since we don't have that, like we need the comedy in there somewhere. And I agree. And if it's not going to come from the, if it's not going to come from the director, it needs to come from the writers. Otherwise yeah. this is going to be real bleak. Because ideally my vision for this was not having a ton of comedy in the direction, but having a lot of like good dot, like funny dialogue. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's Scooby-Doo. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think that they would be a good match for it. Yeah. I know and you do because they're your picks. That's yeah. Well, um, and Fetty's is not not funny. There are some laugh lines in Evil Dead before it makes you shit your pants. I'm I'm sure that's true, but he strikes me as the sort of person who would be able to take a joke and do it very well, as opposed to be someone who can like contribute comedy to the something that already exists. Yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think that he would be good at like making the cast like riff with one another or whatever. Especially yeah. since especially since our cast they're not dry is probably the wrong word. Uh, I would describe them as, yeah, I would describe them as fun, but not funny. Yeah, I agree. Which is kind of the case for most of the people in the 2002 movie. With a couple exceptions. Like, I think, I I think, uh, obviously our Mondavarii are very, very funny. Yeah. And, like, we, we have Jim Rash, Dave Bautista, and Ken Jeong. They're hysterical. Yeah. And, but, like, it'll be the people kind of, like, around the Scoobies. Yeah. Because the, the Scooby characters are all kind of straight men, for the most part, for Scooby-Doo anyways. Yeah. With the exception of Shaggy. Yeah. And our Shaggy is Dylan Bird. Well-known comedian Dylan Bird. Wait, I thought we picked the other one because he was too old. No. I'm sorry. I, Dave Bird is the other one. What is Dylan's last name? Dylan Arnold. I wrote down the last, wrong last name. <laughs> Dylan yeah, Arnold. <laughs> Did you just mash the two together? Like... Yes, that is uh, literally exactly what I did. Oh, and uh, I, I also had a musician cameo because that was super important to this movie. And like the soundtrack was like, fa- like well bought. I, I put either Lord Billy Eilish or Lizzo. I think Lizzo would be really funny. Everyone's a fan of Lizzo. We're going with Lizzo. Yay. And then, yeah, those, that, was, that was all I had. So we can do cool. run through uh, it. So what's the name for our, our Scooby-Doo movie? It's Scooby-Doo... And uh, the ski slope ghosts sort of thing. Like, what are we actually calling this? Scooby don't. Um, Scooby do double black diamond. Yeah. I mean, that can be a working title. Or Scooby do on the bunny slope. So, well, we should do it. If we're going to do like a full title like that, we should do it in the style of the uh, the old animated movies. The old animated uh, like Scooby do in the case of the blah, 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 blah. Let's just call it. Let's just do Scooby do the movie. Yeah. To differentiate right. it from the original one. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't come prepared to class. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come up with one either, but I like because yeah. I knew that we were going to do something completely different. Scooby Doo and the scary thing. Uh Scooby Doo meets Laurel and Hardy. Oh my god! I, <laughs> I, I rewatched uh, the, that like the one where they have the special celebrity guest stars, and the animation is so bad. Sam. It's it's real bad because <laughs> like it's, origi- it's just the same animation over and over again. Or uh, we could just call it Scooby Doo. Where are you? Oh yeah, that's perfect. Let's do that. Yeah, because it's like a it's a throwback to the original series, anyways. Yeah, um, and because it's missing people, so Scooby Doo, yeah. where are you? It makes total sense. Totally. Yeah. Done. Perfect. All right. Then let me take you through our Scooby Doo, where are you cast? 
Velma is going to be played by Angelica Washington. Shaggy is going to be Dylan Arnold. Daphne is going to be Jane Levy. Freddie is going to be Charlie Carver. The Mondavarii is are going to be Neil Casey and Judy Greer, with Mary Jane played by Lana Condor. Scooby-Doo is going to be voiced by Billy West, with the throwaway Scrappy-Doo voiced by John DiMaggio. Velma's friend will be Camilla Mendez, and Fred's friend will be uh, <laughs> Kenyon Lonsdale. The creepy bald, bald guy enforcer dude is going to be Jim Rash. The buff bad guy slash enforcer dude is going to be Dave Batista. Our crazy mountain hermit is going to be Ken Jong, And our musician cameo will be Lizzo. All of this will be written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick and then directed by Fede Alvarez. Did Yay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, did, yeah right you pronounced it right. Cool. That is Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Paul, you going to go see this movie? Absolutely. I'm making this movie. Of course. Woo! Yeah. So then now's the time. Do you have anything you'd like to plug or social media you'd like people to follow? I'm, I'm, I'm good. Thank you though. Uh, <laughs> Fair. Uh, if you're- <laughs> Sorry. You can, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, Paul Presley. It's misspelled uh, because I don't care about social media. P A W L P R E Z L E E. I think. I think that's right. Yeah. I'll find it. If you want to follow me, I'm at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Twitter. If you want to follow the podcast, it is at Ideal Remake on Twitter or Instagram, but mostly Instagram. Or join us on Facebook. Or since it's uh, December now, the season of giving, take some time and give us the gift that we truly want. Go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Do that for all the podcasts you like, because we would all really, really appreciate it. Really. We really would. So anyway, let's end with this. Paul, thank you so much for being on the show. What is your favorite quote from the movie Scooby-Doo? Mary Jane, like, that's my favorite name. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome.